Hello and welcome to another episode of the Mountain Ground Podcast. And uh, this week we have the full strength uh, blend in the house again. It's Peter, Frederick, myself and Nicolette. And uh, we're happy to bring you a week of firsts. We'll discuss our first experiences in the mountains, hiking, doing whatever. And uh, also our first introductional experiences to coffee. Um, for me, it's definitely two quite uh, vivid experiences because neither of us from my childhood. But uh, I'm not going to keep you up here any longer. Let's get right into it. And I think one of the Gegrond members will start with his first hiking experience. Piero, we're going to start with the youngest first. <laughs> Frederick, <laughs> the youngest. Is well, Peter, me? it was your birthday like three days ago, <laughs> so I don't know what the ages are yeah, there. I'm, I'm at that age where it's not, uh, <laughs> it's at one of those age where you almost want to switch the two numbers around. <laughs> uh, I think he, I think he was aiming at us mentioning his birthday and maybe he gets a, gift, a few gifts. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I'm uh, happy to start, Peter. If you guys are happy to hear my stuff, yeah. Um, I think first hikes, just when you guys told, told me that's the topic, I had to think really hard because obviously your first hike, well, I was privileged enough that I was really young when I had my first hike. Um, and that was, um, I can't remember the year, but it was in, in Tabazimbi on my grandfather's uh, farm. It's, it's basically the farm it was inside what is now the Marakele National Park. So he, he was farming with cattle and this we always went there for holidays and, and that one specific holiday my dad said, listen, I'm taking all the boys for a hike. We're going up the mountain and we're doing a loop and we're coming back and we're sleeping two nights. So we were very excited and, and everyone got to um, the farmhouse and we were packing our, stu our stuff and uh, my parents bought a lot of sweets and stuff for all, all the kids and um, then before we, we started hiking my dad went through all our bags to see that we don't <laughs> carry unnecessary crap with us <laughs> and my cousin Rian he opened his bag and there was a two liter bottle of gel <laughs> hair gel in his, in his hiking bag, but the bottle was only 500, like, there was only like 500 moles of gel in there. Um, he was very conscious of his looks back then. So <laughs> it was a very difficult Rian didn't to, even to, have to leave to it. Go and wax. I think, I think there was. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah he thought he's going to impress all the bookies. <laughs> But um, <laughs> <laughs> so you really uh, throw it yeah, under so, the bus, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we hiked. Um, we didn't take a lot of water with because the the farmers, um, the neighboring farm, said no, man. It it rained and there's a lot of water in the in the mountains. So so we started hiking and, and eventually we we couldn't find any water. Um, so it was, it was pretty dry, so we, we needed to change course to get down to the river. Um, and in the end, this, the second day, I can remember, is we were, we were having a braai, and we were just chucking the bones in the, in the bush. Um, 
and we didn't have tents. We didn't, we didn't sleep in tents. We only slept in our in our sleeping bags, and uh, everyone was like huddled up next to my dad because we were really small boys and and we were afraid of hyenas and stuff. And um, then there were, we heard some some bones being crunched, but we never saw anything. But then my brother came and he squished in between me and my dad. And I was lying against a, kind of a slope, and I, I was feasting on my condensed milk bottle um, a can next to me. <laughs> but I was asleep now, and the can was standing next to me. And then he pushed me, and I rolled over the can, drenched my whole sleeping bag in condensed milk, <laughs> woke up the next morning like two meters away against a tree, <laughs> just full of leaves and, and ants and stuff. Yeah, that's uh, that was a fun memory. Yeah, you. It was my first hiking experience. Yeah, I feel like, like I remember even at school because um, cool. his uh, cousin basically, um, yeah, we we are actually friends as well. And you know, like I used to like just listen to all these stories when they go, especially if your grandfather. I think you guys have some great memories of your grandfather as well going on your trips into Africa and. You know, like it, it does sound like you had a good, good outdoorsy up, upbringing and their stories. I think that was probably yeah. one of the more time stories that you've divulged now. <laughs> like, well, it was the youngest one that I can remember. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, so, Pierre, did you also like obviously being in the mountains uh, at the moment and making you know, making a living and, and living that lifestyle. Um, is that something that you guys grew up with or you specifically? And then in Nucleate, did you guys grow up with being outdoors or is it something that only later in life developed? So to be honest, I think I've got the latest experience in the mountains as a, you know, in an age chronological point of view. So Nicolette's been in the mountains much earlier. So I'm going to hand over to her and uh, she can, she can tell us a bit about her experience in the mountains because uh, it started quite young and I'm often a little bit jealous about it, but um, let her tell the stories. Thanks guys. Yeah, so I was very privileged um, growing up in a, a really outdoors-orientated family. My grandparents have a game farm in the low felt, and they've had a stand of some sort there for since as long as I can remember. So we frequently went up to the Hoodsprate area um, and spent a lot of time outdoors there, birding, wildlife, that sort of thing. And so my first hike was actually actually the Blader Refugeburg hiking trail and I think I was either five or six but thereabouts. Um, I could only just carry a bag with my own clothes and I suppose it must have been tough but that's not the part I remember. <laughs> <laughs> what I remember is a lot of fun um, swimming in the river every day. It must have been summer. Swimming in the river, playing in the rock pools, jumping off rocks, building sand castles. And the one thing that stands out was I know my grandmother, she carried these little pocket bears. I don't know if any of you guys had them, but it was like these little rubber bears and they all had names and they like would have something specific about them. So it was like one bear had its honey and the other one oh. was you know, riding a horse and they were called pocket bears. <laughs> no. 
Um, and they all came with a little card and a description and they had a name. And I was obsessed so, with these It things. sounds like um, those things like JoJo's. Yeah, so it, like, we had JoJo's, I think. Yes. <laughs> JoJo's, which was like... And so, then you had this King JoJo. Maybe. <laughs> but but, but yeah, I do Maybe this was more things. of a girl's mm. thing. <laughs> but anyway, so every day, um, my reward for completing the hike, and I think it was only three days was to get a new pocket bear, which was quite exciting for me. And my little pocket bear would go down to the river and also swim and play in the sand. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, so that was my, my first hike and introduction to to the outdoors and walking. I don't remember much more than that. Um, later on, I had more, more Drakensberg mountain experiences for the... When I matriculated, I did a three-day hike in the Berg. That was kind of my equivalent of matric back or rage <laughs> or whatever people do these days. It didn't involve much, if any, alcohol. <laughs> and I know my uncle walked us to pieces um, in three days. So, yeah, um, definitely more mountain-orientated than the social element of things. So you had the bubbles without the alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> uh, look, my my legs were scratched to smithereens from uh, descending ship's prow pass not on the trail even though the trail is faint we definitely were not on it <laughs> right peter let us uh, yeah, it's... enlighten us on your early adventure days. Yeah, like, <laughs> I won't lie, like, I also only started hiking really late in my life. Uh, I didn't, uh, you know, like, I was raised pretty much by my mom and, you know, being a single parent, there wasn't really as many outdoor activities and all the rest, like, life was quite busy, I think, uh, you know, um, Frederick's cousin, cousin, the one who he says gels, gels his head. Although when you see him, it, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> like, it doesn't have much to gel. But uh, you know, like we we would go on a few few like little, basically some cycling trips. So, but in my life, I only I think the first hike that I did was with Frederick's cousin, with Frederick there as well and it was actually the funny Boeta, very close to Friedrich. We can call it the Friedrich Boeta as well sometimes. <laughs> but uh <laughs> yeah, so that was actually my first lot like and I I think that was only probably at the age of twenty four or twenty five when I actually did my first hike and slept over in, in you know in the in the berg and or outdoors really. Uh which, you know, looking back it's definitely something that I wish I could have done earlier and I don't think really I could make a lot of excuses because you know as you grow older you probably have a lot of opportunities I think my focus in life just changed and uh, you know I still remember being a real real I don't even know like noob <laughs> you know to this whole scene of hiking so on the first trip I had, I had a few beers in my pack and I was like carrying like a frozen piece of meat everything like and I was carrying probably 28 kilograms for two days of hiking um and um you know but I do remember very very clearly the sense of adventure having your backpack <clears throat> and also that relief of living you know, a lot of the things that you deal with just behind and focusing on the things that you're doing now, which is you're, you're in really good company, you're in the, in the nature, you know, you swim in rivers, you like that was a whole, that, was, that opened a lot of 
you know, uh, not doors for me, just basically opened up a new way of of doing things and seeing perspective. Sorry, perspective. Yeah, I think perspective is the right word. It it changed my perspective on a lot of things, and uh, yeah, I, I do in, in remember that and the good conversations. I think we even at one one stage we call ourselves the three stuppeteers, and during that time for two days we were all developing this this thing about the stop at the about how we're going to share tips about hiking in the outdoors and all the rest which is probably something that eventually 10 years on we're actually doing just maybe a little bit more on a on an educational level than just the discussions we had at the time so yeah that was the funny but two days stay two day or two days of hiking and yeah that basically from there it was an exponential up ramp <laughs> so so yeah so pierre I, well, yeah. I must i must i must say if there's one tip that came from that stop is take peter worth because he can carry quite a bit of beer <laughs> <laughs> yeah how things have changed now it's like you know the, i don't think i to be honest i think that was one of my last first and last maybe second last hiking trip that i've taken like anything that weighs more than more than 330 milliliters or 330 grams uh, to consume on hike. I can sorry, Pierre. I uh, just just one last note uh, while we're on Peter. Um, it's it's another hike that that Peter and myself we did and with a different group as well. It was the Otter. And uh, like usual, Peter had a few beers and, and we everyone had a few drinks. But by the fourth hut, the, well, the final hut, is it the fifth hut, the fourth hut, I'm not even sure. Everyone's kind of dry. So we hiked and, and, and we knew Nature's Valley, obviously, it's like 18 k's from the last hut. And we're spending its last night on the otter, so it needs to be memorable. So when we arrived there, Peter talked me into let's let's run to Nature's Valley and go and get us some 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 drinks for the evening. <laughs> so as soon as we, we we took everything out of the small out of the ladies' bags because they're smaller, so and we started running. So we did after the last day we did the 18k, and then we oh it's an, it's 18k return so it's 9k and then we bought a. A few pups of wine. Not a few pups Let's just, let's just <laughs> it was just the one. <laughs> one small one. <laughs> <laughs> and chocolates yeah. and um, the ice cream and then we went back. Yeah, we, we did have a luxury night, I remember. Okay. Like we, after that run, we were just feasting on ice creams when we got to the shop. <laughs> And then, and then <laughs> gone back. I think I don't know. There's a there's probably for the few one of the few people who've, who've done that. But um, you know, like it does make you realize it as mm-hmm. yeah. No, no I was just saying, like you know, you, you do get pick these two different types of hike because you know, fast forwarding like a year or two, and then suddenly you're completely wild camping. No luxuries, you know. Um, so, you know, I think it's a, I think it is a progressive development, you know. Um, and 
yeah so quite the journey so Pierre on to you your first hike where when how long yeah. <laughs> no, I think um, <clears throat> before I get there I'll kind of like give a bit of background why I thought this topic would be quite cool it's obviously just because I suspected Frederick yeah, you've got quite a long history of um, hiking and stuff Peter I honestly didn't know where your adventure site started so it's very cool to get that insight um, and Nicolette obviously mm-hmm. I knew she was hiking with her uncle and them up in the berg and the stories. You know, I think if you want a pretty hardcore hike, go hike with her uncle. Like, um, <laughs> he will be up before you in the morning. I know Nicolette said, like, she tried to be up before him some mornings and then he would, like, watch, like, already be up. And, um, no, the the places they hiked is, uh, like, she was an eight-year-old and going up the camel and stuff like that. Jeez. So, you know, obviously I've got that. And then we were hiking with, with a family. So I had a Dutch family that contacted me and wanted to do a Tugela overnight hike. Um, and then another one of my athletes, she's hiked with us last year. Um, and we also did a lower Berg sleep out in a cave and she's got four kids. So it was, um, their, her kids like first overnight hike in the Berg. And this year she said that she really wants to take them to the escarpment. So we kind of like slotted these two trips in almost like, you know, back to back and I uh, went up with the Dutch family and it was, it was really amazing to, for me to spend time up there with a the family, you know, um, so obviously I, I never had these experiences also as a kid, like I was just, you know, we played rugby and that's that, you know, that's no time for walking around outdoors. You needed to play rugby, you know, every weekend and all that kind of stuff. Um, so it was really cool. You know, the kid was 13 year old, 13 years old. The, I think the two daughters were like, tw- I think they were twins. They were 21 and one of their partners joined on the trip. Um, and just watching them, you know, cause we had pretty wild conditions on <laughs> that evening that we had perfect conditionings until the wind picked up and then, you know, the river froze over bottles froze the next morning, the wind was chaotic and, um, kind of being part of their, like helping them pack up. Um, I don't want to say teaching them how to pack up the tents and everything, but it was really nice to play a role in their experience up on the mountains and the connection I could do the 13 year old, like the kid, like me and him could talk a lot. And it was really, I just hope I could inspire a bit of adventure in him. And then I picked up, um, Nita who's one of my athletes. Like I think we've been working together for like two years. So we obviously know each other very well. And I've known, you know, both me and Nicolette have guided her kids on a trip as well. So going up to the escarpment, we were very worried about like, you know, are we going to have the right gear or not for them and everything. But I just eventually said like, look, as long as you know, it's going to be the coldest night of your life. You won't die. Everything will be fine. (laughs) (laughs) So we went up and like, it was really cool to just like see these kids really flourish. And she does um, like manage them very well. So, you know, very disciplined, very like you're proper Afrikaans. (laughs) Um, family I'd say <laughs> anyway but the reason I thought about this topic was the next morning I was uh, I was busy packing up outside and I heard the two boys in the tent and they're 15 16 years old and I just heard the one go hey get my coffee still so for the English listeners it's like hey where's my coffee you took my coffee um, and I thought about wow I didn't even drink coffee back then you know but I also didn't hike like it was all these different new things so I guess that just made me think about these are experiences I would have loved 
and I grew up at the foot, at the base of the Toys Peak, mm. like in the Toys Cliff Mountains. You could look for 360 degrees around my house, and it was just vineyards and mountains, like in Rosenville, small town of the Cape there. And I never actually ventured out. So for me, it's always been a thing to try and make up lost time, I think, mm. <laughs> when I go into the mountains now. But we shouldn't look at it in that way, I think. It just helps us appreciate the mountains more now and adventure and like how do we define adventure and all that stuff. And it's really just, mm. it's just more stimulating. So then fast forward back to my first hike. It was actually also quite old because obviously I started running before I started, you know, hiking. So I've actually done my first like through the night run before I've ever done my first you know, sleep at night. Like I never saw the point hike. in... Yeah, I never really saw the point in, you know, carrying heavy tents and wasting time by sleeping. Like we could run a hundred Ks in twenty five hours. Why should I, you know, hike <laughs> two eight K kind of legs together <laughs> in my ignorant state? Now I enjoy it so much. <laughs> anyway, so the first time I actually did a proper hike was um when I moved to Joburg for the first time. So that was in twenty sixteen. I moved from Port Alfred to Joburg. I've been running probably for about four or five years i've done the sky run 100 and you know so i've been running quite a bit i've done an adventure race war trail we did through the night but when i moved to Joburg, i was kind of like i need to prove to myself that i can live in this place because for me as a cape tonian growing up you know there was only two things that was good about Joburg, and there was oh, sorry one thing that was good about Joburg, and that was the road out of Joburg. so <laughs> there was a friend from Nisner. I'm very loose all our Joburg as well. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 but wait, but wait. <laughs> no, so then I met up with uh, um, the guy that I used to work with on Otter. He was the trail director and we helped him like route mark, etc. And he was living in Joburg as well, him and his family. So he's like, up here for my birthday, I want to do the Mahalis Traverse. Let's go hike it. So, you know, I told him, okay, cool, great. I'm in, you know, cool. What do I need? He's like, well, a backpack, you know, but we're going to go for three days. So you need to carry like sleeping bag and everything. So out came my, um, my old 65 liter hiking pack that I bought when I was, uh, trip, like Euro tripping. So I was not the, like Nicolette hiking through the Drakensberg on my matric <laughs> weekend. Like, yeah, I was uh, running around on the beach probably, <laughs> but, uh, I, when I traveled through Europe, I did buy myself a backpack um, and I still had this backpack. So we started at Kamandunek, not knowing the route, nothing. We had an old map of the Witwatersrand Stop Club and um, we started walking and yeah, three days later, we were on the other side and it was like 78 kilometers and just magic. You know, the Michalisburg to me, that's why the Michalisburg to me is just so special. It's one of the most special places in the world. And I'll never forget the first night sitting on top of the Michalisberg with Chris. And yes, I carried three bottles of wine. <laughs> very nice. Um, yeah, very nice wine we got at the Otter um, called Painted Wolf. And they do a lot of work with regards to the, you know, the Painted Wolf or like uh, the Wild Dogs. So mm. it's a very, very nice wine. A bit expensive though, but otherwise it's very nice. But we were just sitting on top there and he just went like, wow, Pierre. You know, when you moved to Joburg, did you ever think you would sit on top of mountain a mountain range older than the himalayas and sleep under the stars in your sleeping bag just out there and to me that was like a penny drop moment it's like wherever i am i can make it the life i want it to be um and that's what i appreciate about the people in Joburg. is i started climbing i started running at a level that i've never run before started mountain biking up here i just realized that here we 
you know, no one says, oh, five hours to the burg, it's too far. They just say, well, jump in the car, let's carpool, let's go. It's never, you know, people in Joburg really make an effort to do things. And uh, that I think is a really like a nice community to be part of. So from there on, I just, well, hiked a lot. I think my next proper hike was the Grand Traverse, though, when me and Nicolette did it. Like, I never did much hiking in between. It was a lot of, like, fast packing. <laughs> but uh, it was also the first time I wear hi wore hiking boots was on a on a Grand Traverse that I guided. So I think a lot of my experiences came very late. But um, it's it's a lot of fun. I'm glad Peter also came out with a only on a 24-year-old hiker. Like, I thought Peter was also not going to go like, yeah, you know, since I was like two years old, I was just like lugging stuff up the mountains. Because I have seen Peter's backpack when he packs, like, he packs all his coffee stuff, everything. Like, so no, I think it's, it's so nice to have the insight into, you know, all of your hikes and where everyone comes from. Because I think it doesn't matter where we all come from. We all now sitting at the table, sharing experiences and hopefully some tips and value um, that we can give to others. So, yeah, at that, uh, on that note, yeah, you're, we can take it uh, to coffee if we want to. Yeah, I just want to say like your 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 hiking experience is almost like, it reminds me sometimes of, of studying in first year. You know, you have some of those subjects where you get through the exam, but only once you're in the practice, then you need to reopen the book again and then go to step one. So you've passed the exam by doing all the running and all the rest of the things, and now you go back to step one and you learn the curriculum. <laughs> no. no, and you, you learn a lot. Like the reason I really enjoy, say, hiking in the Drakensberg in summer and not running is purely because like if you have any appreciation for natural beauty and flowers mm -hmm. it's it's the place to be like the amount of wild orchids and things we found up there from mm -hmm. just mostly getting lost because if you're off the beaten track i guess you you more bound to find flowers that haven't been trampled on or wilder spaces and that's just through having the time you know you take your time we we always say like People always go like, ah, oh, but you always want to move so fast. I'm like, no, like come move with us and you'll see we, we never move faster than what is required. Hmm. Yes, if we have a very big day, you know, if I want to do 50Ks in a day, yes, I'm going to have to move fast. But if my objective is to see flowers and birds, well, it's kind of irrelevant where I end up that night because I just want to spend the daytime moving through nature and appreciating it and taking photos where I want to. So it's all about what is your objective when you head out. Mm. It's not, mm. not so much about, you know, we're not one track minded at all. We love to appreciate everything. And I think, yeah, you know, like Peter talking about the Fani Bota as his first experience. Like I've never hiked the Fani Bota and I would love to do it. So that is definitely, you know, something still on my, <clears throat> my to-do list. Let's put it that way. Yeah, must subscribe. So there's a lot of experiences we can bring in. Mate. Maybe we should organize a, a mountain ground hiking trip. No, most definitely. Like we, we get our mountain ground, uh, mountain ground uh, podcast, uh, the blend out, and then we go, we go as a team, and we go hike on the, <laughs> on the whatever. Yeah. Let's do it the funny we'll, water. We'll give ourselves a bit of a, a a coffee challenge with that as well. Does coffee at a certain altitude taste the same as at the top of a mountain? Like uh, that's one of the things that I thought of as a next like as a next topic to be discussed you know like if you 
start at the base of a mountain, you make coffee, it's obviously your temperature and everything changes, but uh, that is a this topic for another for another podcast. <laughs> and that will tie in very well with um, a podcast on how altitude affects your athletic performance and nutrition at altitude. Yeah. And we were actually listening to a podcast today, which is, um, yeah, I guess inspired yeah. us and was super interesting. But there's so many physiological factors that change in the the human body when you do move up to altitude so i'm sure it's similar with coffee yeah. like it can't all be the same um would be very interesting <laughs> to discuss some of those differences <laughs> so so Pierre, you were saying that that nice story about these i'm not sure what their age was but obviously their first coffee experience and their you know passion for starting their day with a cup of coffee um uh you know what was you you know you've mentioned that you you haven't really grown up with coffee as you know your let's just say kickstarter for the morning um when was your most when was your first real account of having a good cup of coffee i think we'll we'll switch the topic a bit around not your first coffee but your first good cup of coffee I think you've hit the nail on the head there with um, making the distinction between like first good cup of coffee because I guess coffee it's it's always around but that first coffee that really goes hmm this should be part of my life <laughs> it's like a it's a different one so yeah look I grew up my mom uh, drank a lot of coffee um, and I think like I, I drank like I love my rooibos tea so like I was rooibos tea made like a lot of sugar <laughs> <laughs> um but then only after school eh? like when i was in the uh, after school i spent a year in the uk on a gap year and uh there was a there was a costas coffee in the little i live in a little town called stamford proper little co cobblestone um town beautiful but um you know i would go for my walk and i would like have coffee at costas there always and for me that was the first time coffee became a ritual like i yeah i just had coffee most days of my life and since then, obviously, I guess as is my personality, I'm quite, I guess, obsessive, usually take things to the extreme <laughs> and um, also quite, a, I think I've got a bit of an addic addictive personality, you know, so <laughs> I always joke with regards to coffee. Like when I talk to people, I sometimes go, yo, I just need to go get some personality first. Let me go pour it. Let me go make a cup of coffee <laughs> and then, then we can talk, you know. So since then, and especially then I always joked with like when I was a when I was a pilot, I just said like, well, pilots, we don't work that much. <laughs> so especially the flying I did, like the corporate flag, I don't work much. So I actually had the time to obsess over coffee, you know, and I, I, I enjoy waking up early. So I would like, if I had a five or six o'clock departure, I had to say be at Oatambo at, you know, five or four in the morning. And I would wake up like one or two in the morning to give me like an extra half hour or 45 minutes to make my coffee and actually enjoy it before I start the day i hate like pouring coffee into like a flask and just rushing into my car and i'll just like drinking it like yes my second or third cup can be that but that first cup for me must i want to sit in a peaceful space and i want to enjoy my coffee and i want to think about it and i want to taste it i want to look at it and i want to see the color i want to smell it and i want to mm -hmm. see what i can pick up and then i want to taste it and i want to see like Ooh, why is it not tasting that nice this morning? Or, you know, what, what, why is it so much better this morning? And all the variables. And then I also threw Otter, everyone there loved coffee. So, and the guys from Bin there used to give us coffee on the route. 
So Jono from being there, he worked on the event as well. And then I thought that was the first time I ever realized there was something as single origin. <laughs> so I always just thought coffee is coffee is coffee. You know, whether that's an Italian blend or Brazilian blend or, you know, a Burundi or, you know, like a perf like a single origin coffee from somewhere. And then with Khro and with you guys, I realized like how specific it becomes. You know, you got the Murambi Hills or, you know, a specific area. And then the altitude and obviously the complexity of it really just grasps, like gets me and I love it. So no, the coffee journey, I think is a ever evolving one. And I'm just, that's, that's why I'm so fortunate or so like stoked to be involved with you guys because, you know, the passion you guys have for it, going to a processing plot, um, farm this weekend and, you know, just everything from it. Like when I have a cup, you know, we had coffee with Peter in Ireland, you know, he doesn't, no, like I don't even know if he knew I was watching or listening, but he made his coffee and he goes, mm, and he like dissects the taste. He's like, mm, peachy or this, you know, it's, it's just nice. You can see the passion coming through. So I think like I've digressed completely because my coffee was from a very standard point of view. It was just like another, I guess, Costas is the equivalent of Starbucks. But that routine for me started there. Like, you know, obviously I was in boarding house before that, so there was no coffee to be served. It was just Not like, even the coffee. I guess tea. <laughs> Um, yeah, Rico, <laughs> but anyway, um, no, so from where it developed is very similar to the hiking, I think, or the adventure side of it. It's like once this world opens to you, it's your choice of you know, your choice what you do with it, like how deep do you want to go into it? Um, because that's our choice, the information is there, the opportunity is there, it's your choice to decide uh, how, how much does this, how passionate I'm about it and then how deep do i want to go into it um and that's why i love adventure and coffee because it's uh, two things i'm very passionate about and i think both of them make my life so much better oh that's um yeah that's that's very true story and uh you know i do like that you you know giving yourself a bit of that extra dream in the morning to prepare a cup of coffee becomes quite a, a ritual thing um you know if i, if I was to mm. think back you know, I've always, I, I started out with this mocha pot and uh, a bit of a similar a similar experience where, you know, the best thing in the morning to get me out of bed was that bit of excitement to go and make this mocha pot. I think it's maybe the way that it brews the coffee and, you know, like before I was really too involved in coffee, I was that guy that let it sprout out. So it was quite, it was a little bit of a chemical reaction thing going on there. <laughs> so... <laughs> Don't worry, that's that's still most people, <laughs> well, most people we know. Yeah, so, uh, but, you know, if I was to think of my, really, the, the, I think the thing that hooked me on coffee completely and was, it was 2000, it was 2018, and at that stage, I, I still just like, I don't think I... I was too passionate about coffee back then. I just really liked coffee. And then I started tasting different origins and different companies. Uh, but what really changed things for me was the uh, Winston was, I think it was 2018. He had this World Barista coffee. And I actually looked looked it up on one of my emails. I, I actually looking at the, the invoice for that, that specific coffee. And it was a project origin, Jasper. And uh, it was like a limited edition re release. And um, 
you know, I, I'll be honest, when I started out with coffee, I couldn't taste all these aromas and all the rest. You know, I really tried, but I just thought I just don't have it, you know. And then for this coffee, I could taste the strawberries and I could taste the strawberry yogurt. And I was so excited. I was like, Friedrich, you need to come and taste this. You won't believe me. Like, you can actually <laughs> taste the strawberries and the yogurts. And uh, yeah, and then I, I made Friedrich a cup and he agreed with me. Like, he can also taste the flavors. And I thought, well, this is this might be my talent, you know. Like, I can taste these flavors. And, you know, obviously, <laughs> there was still a lot of, there was still a lot of work to be done to really develop your palate so it wasn't so easy it was just a really good coffee but that that changed things for me um so yeah, that's my <laughs> <laughs> i must say um that is the f the first amazing coffee that i can also remember it's also changed my perspective of coffee is that one that peter shared with me and i could i still remember he was he was i think you were making a v60 yeah. Um, and I was sitting on the couch on the other side of the room and I was smelling it. I was like, Peter, that's like strawberry yogurt. <laughs> it's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, sure. And that, and that was very far away from what I was used to because I, uh, I started out of the Frisco or coffee on the, on the farm. You, you get there on holidays and you never really know what they what's the flavor of the of the month um have they decided to take frisco or i think it was mostly a what's the what's on special <laughs> kind of decision and um then i actually started only drinking tea and i only revisited coffee uh, in un university again um, my dad started buying um you know fancy coffee the uh, pre-grind checkers those blocks that you can build a house with those really hard blocks of, of pre-ground and um he was making it and he was saying no you should drink it without milk and sugar and this is how you drink your coffee and i was drinking at that time i think white tea with like um anything between four and seven sugars depending on how i was feeling so <laughs> when i was like okay well i I'd probably need to start drinking coffee because i need it really need to pick up my social life <laughs> and that's something that everyone does um i started drinking it and i decided okay i'll i need to to cut out the sugar so let me start drinking let me start coffee off black and without sugar so i've actually been drinking um coffee from the start except for the, the re-coffee and fresco black and without sugar and, <laughs> yeah so i never had to make that trans transition yeah you knew <laughs> i remember with that fresco and re-coffee like you know it's going okay in the house like when you get the nescafe classic when the nescafe classic starts to go into the cupboard then you know you know it's not going <laughs> going well Dick <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and yourself like where where did things start out for you yeah so for me growing up look fortunately we never had um, the privilege of Rick Coffee or Frescoes or any of those we were my family was proper Nescafe gold type of people <laughs> but uh, it also didn't extend beyond that so 
Honestly, I didn't drink coffee until my first year out of school. And then it probably related to my athletic endeavors more than anything else. Not that I was trying to use it as a stimulant, but I would wake up really early and go to gym, do spinning sessions, um, maybe double spinning, yoga, swim, and then come home. And by the time three, four in the afternoon came around, I was exhausted. And so I decided, well, I've heard this thing called coffee keeps you awake and gives you some energy and let me give it a go. And my first coffee was like Frederick. It was without sugar. It did have milk and it was instant, unfortunately. But yeah, from there I progressed. And uh, also like most athletes, I guess I went through a stage of trying to lose some weight, improve my power to weight ratio. And there a good cappuccino never goes amiss. Got lots of milk for protein and the caffeine to keep you going <laughs> like I was used to. And so, yeah, I, I guess I went from kind of like your better instant coffee to a good cappuccino. And then, yeah, like I unfortunately can't say like Peter that I've developed my uh, my um, specifics for tasting the flavors of good black coffees. Um, I enjoy a nice espresso, but I'm much more of a cappuccino person. So I guess that's just the the standard runner coming out in me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's fascinating to hear everyone's backgrounds on, you know, coffee and stuff as well, because like same with the Galette, I do enjoy like my first coffee is a proper cappuccino. And then I do taper it down to Americano based or espresso, just because I think you can't stomach that much milk later on in the day. Mm. Um, and it's nice to sometimes taste different, different coffees. Like I remember <clears throat> when I grew up on the wine farm in the Toys Club, the, at the Toys Club wine cellar. And me and my dad would sometimes go taste wines on the weekend. We'll just be in the lab and just be, you know, it's the exact same thing as coffee. You look at the color, um, you taste it, you know, in first there's almost like you feel it on your palate. Like, is it heavy? Mm -hmm. Is it soft? Is it light? And then only the flavors come and what's the initial flavor versus the flavor it leaves, like the aftertaste almost. And obviously, smell makes a big part of it as well. Um, and what do you smell? On? And I love anything that incorporates all my senses. And it's the same with like, I guess, moving in the mountains or rock climbing or anything. You know, when you when your senses and everything is that heightened, like, and then you just bring the experience of feeling the rock as well. And like, everything is just like it's like it's true living. I feel so. I just love anything that can get me so excited. And um, listening to Peter explain his coffee story there. That's the most, I think, alive I've ever seen Peter now. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's virtual, but the excitement that came through in his voice and the excitement in his eyes, like it's amazing like how, yeah, it's just, I think it's incredible if you can tap into people's passions and like discover it. Um, and that for me was really cool with the hiking with, these, with, with the families, like to give families that opportunity and to discover maybe passions of kids that you wouldn't know and like a normal child that maybe gets seen as you know disruptive or naughty at school well put him in the mountains and he might be you know brilliant because then there's reasons behind the things you tell them to do or not to do um, because there's actual consequences if you don't do it you know like breaking up camp the next morning you know we had gale force winds and these tents were going to rip apart if it won't you know if you start breaking them down and you don't do it quick and you know just Nicolette stepped in with the one group and I went to the other 
and having these kids just listen to us and like just follow and being so efficient. Um, it was just fascinating and just made me think about hiking and outdoor schooling if you want to go that way, but we're not going to go down that level now. <laughs> so, but for now, for me, it's just like, actually what this podcast for me has turned into now is listen to people's passions and see how that how that talks to them. And everyone has got a different passion because we're all individual. So, nah, Peter, Frederick, Nix, thanks for sharing your passions you know, with us tonight. Like it, it's, it's special to get that kind of insight into someone's life. Yeah, no, and thanks for yourself as well, Pierre. And, um, you know, I can extend it time to, to Nicolette and Frederick. It was a good chat and it's, um, yeah, it was um, mm. good insight into everyone's background, all different backgrounds. And uh, yet here we sit <laughs> sharing the same experiences, enjoying the same things, you know, which is which is. One last thing, I think uh, maybe you guys can organize some of Winston's strawberry yogurt flavored coffee for me. Maybe it will change my life as well. If I only had some of those left, but uh, we'll, we'll, that, that, that'll be our... Front will make one. We'll make one. It's easier to make... Coffee flavored, coffee tasting yogurt, and <laughs> <the> other way <laughs> around. <laughs> no, no, I don't like flavored yogurt at all. I'm a strictly double cream plain yogurt, so it'll have to be the coffee. Sorry. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, yeah, we've run out of time. Thanks, guys, so much. Um, and then, yeah, as always, please give us feedback. Reach out to the Chron team or to the Mountain Abandoned team. Or Dex Dog runs on you know Instagram. He also seems to make a lot of noise in the background here. But we would love to get your feedback on the podcast, how we can improve it. What do you like? Um, don't be too too critical on what you don't like, but uh, you can slip it in there. Follow us on, on Instagram and Facebook, and otherwise just hit us up with a message. Um, we would love to connect to to people, even if you just want to share your story with us. Like it's, I'm always open and keen to talk to people. So. Rafman, thanks so much for listening. And uh, yeah, we hope we can grow this this Mountain Ground podcast and um, see where it goes. <laughs>